It seems like, no matter what the topic is these days, that it's a broken record. No matter what it seems that we're talking about, or that the conversations I have, people are confused, they're frustrated, they're scared, they're anxious and uncertain about the future. Talk about the coronavirus. They're confused, they're, uh, they're scared, they're uncertain about the future. Talk about the election or politics in general. They're confused, they're uncertain about the future. I even know this in my own prayer life, going to prayer and being very confused about what's going on, frustrated by it, and uncertain about the future. Seemingly unable to escape the anxiety and tension of our days. Sometimes I even question, now I keep going to prayer because that's what I've committed my life to, but still it sometimes it feels like, why am I doing this? It's just adding to the frustration and to the tension. We know very well right now in these days what it's like in the gospel parable to have the landowner go on a journey, go away, leaving us to tend the vineyard leaving us to take care of what is His. We also know full well the tension, the anxiety, and how easily those temptations seep into our lives. To ask ourselves, is it really worth it to pursue goodness and virtue? Should I be kind to that person who is so horribly wrong about politics or coronavirus, whatever? Should I keep loving people? Should I keep serving the poor? Should I keep giving sacrificially of my time, talent, and treasure to those that are in need, to the church? There's a temptation to think, I have to protect what is mine. I've earned this. God has abandoned me. But this could not be further from the truth. I'd like to share with you, it's going to be a long excerpt, from one of my favorite uh, gospel commentaries. This is actually just the third volume of that commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, uh, from Erasmo Leva Merikakis. I guess that's how you say his last name. I've never heard it pronounced. It's a phenomenal commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. He says in here, When people look for God in visible form, they will only see each other. When they look for Christ, they will see only Christians. By giving us His own animating and sanctifying Spirit, Christ has entrusted us with everything that is His. No, entrusted is not to say enough. Through His death and resurrection, He has implanted in us a holy new life with all the same energies and principles of life that gave, that, with all the same energy and principles of life that give thrust to His own life, His joy and unity with the Father their mutual knowledge and love, the very glory of the Holy Trinity. Woe to us, then, if we fail to bear the fruits of His dynamic presence in our souls by making Him visible to all through our thoughts, words, and deeds. The cynical attitude of the tenant farmers is the typical stance of those who conform to law, authority, or dogma only externally, prompted to do so either by opportunism or plain timidity, the outlook of those whose hearts have no internal relationship to the truth, who lack all interior conviction about the objective rightness of the divine order of creation and redemption. They do not count on the owner's eventual return and judgment of their deeds. They live merely for the moment and have abandoned all foresight with regard to the consequences of their choices. 
The passion of greed has so overtaken their whole soul that it blinds them to any true vision of reality. The very lively existence of the owner, the fact that he himself has done all the work of establishing the vineyard, the fact that the vineyard consequently belongs to him and that they are merely hired tenants. Finally, the certainty of his return and of the inevitable day of reckoning. Greed has created in them a total delusion that has not only justified brutality and murder in their own eyes, but that has blinded them to the real nature of human relationships and the laws that govern society. What a beautiful reflection on our own time to recognize that God has, in a sense, stepped aside so that you and I can participate in that mission, so that we can be Christ for one another. Not only that, but so that we can put aside our selfish ambition and greed and turn our thoughts and minds and hearts to the things that are true and eternal. In that second, letter, second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These days, yes, there is pressure, there is tension, confusion, frustration, but we must turn our minds and hearts to the things that are eternal, beautiful, good, and true, and to reflect upon them constantly. We need to turn off our phones. We need to turn off the news and spend time in prayer. Spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. Spend time with Scripture and doing spiritual reading. We need to prepare for the landowner's return and recognize that He is calling us not to take for ourselves, but to use the gifts that He has implanted in our hearts for joy, happiness, peace, and glory. Yes, it is and will be. There's no end in sight, to be perfectly honest. But it can be, through the things that are true, good and beautiful, a time of immense blessing, healing, wonder, and joy. So much of our life depends upon our perspective and our willingness to see things and to ask to see things through the eyes of God. How much better would our world be, whereas instead of viewing our faith through politics, we viewed our politics through faith? If we took our faith and our encounter with the living Jesus and immersed ourselves in that so much that in every aspect of our life we were His servant and His glory, His hands, His mouth, His eyes, His heart. It's not to say that we shouldn't worry about the things of this time, but we need to spend time looking into the face of God and just as importantly, letting Him look into our own face into our eyes, into our heart, into our soul. The Lord has implanted everything we need in the vineyard of our souls. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate this beautiful gift of confirmation. And for those of us who have received that sacrament, we are reminded today of the full measure of the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Lord has given to us. What does that mean? 
God has united himself to you. You are God's. Possessive, not you are God's in the sense that you are like God's Lord. You know, anyway, that didn't come out right. English is a terrible language. You are of God. You are one with God. God is the answer. The tension, the frustration, the difficulty will always be there regardless of circumstances. But there is a king. There is a victor. There is a truth. His name is Jesus. Turn to him. Open your mind and your heart to his ways. And let him open your mind and heart to being him in new ways in this world.